Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Oh, hello, church. How are we doing this evening? So great. I'm very, it's such a privilege and honor to be able to deliver the last installment of the Sermon on the Mount series, which has been going on for eight weeks. Can you believe it? Eight weeks. You know, um, when, when, when this series has been going on, my favorite uh, part of the, uh, the, the series, believe it or not, was actually the part that um, Sue and Matt preached, was, let your yes be a yes and a no be a no. But, 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 this morning, Jason Render delivered the gold in the morning. If you were here, come on, somebody. He delivered the gold in the morning, and I, I, I really enjoyed the morning. I felt like there's really no need for me to preach in the evening. Uh, there's something that always happens when Jason is wearing a jacket. Have you noticed? When he comes, when he comes to church wearing a suit jacket, you know that a different anointing is going to fall. So I felt like, I honestly felt like, when Jason gets here in the evening, I'm just going to say, ah, oh, something is wrong, Jason, preach, preach. <laughs> then he didn't come wearing the jacket. You know, so I think, I think God is trying to say something. But I am very honored and privileged to be delivering this last installment. We are talking about revenge and enemy love. Revenge and enemy love. So the scripture that I'm going to read is, as soon as I get myself ready here. Here. The scripture that, I, that I'm going to read is from the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 38. Matthew chapter 5 verse 38 says, you have heard that it was said. Can everybody say it was said? It was said. So the fact that the Bible is actually saying it was said means that they were actually talking about it. Okay. So you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, can everybody say, I say to you, do not resist the one, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, this one right here, tend to him the other also. Whoa, 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 what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that if a person slaps me on my right cheek, I must just tend to him the other also? This is by far the most difficult thing to do, especially for a person like myself. There are moments in my life where I did not choose joy. I chose violence. It's, it, it has happened so many times in my life where I actually did not choose joy, but I actually chose violence. For a person like myself, I'm not built for speed. I'm not built for comfort. I'm built to fight. It's a very difficult thing. But Jesus is trying to introduce something that is interesting here. And I, it, I, it got me thinking, and I'm like, okay, so is Jesus trying to contradict the law that was set in the book of Exodus, chapter 21, verse 24? 
that says, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood, sweat for sweat. And I say to myself, Jesus is not actually trying to contradict that law. But what Jesus is basically doing in this portion of Scripture, Jesus is replacing that law with an attitude. This is an attitude that we're supposed to adopt in response when people try to provoke us. So, is Jesus trying to say that we must just stand there and take abuse? No. Jesus is definitely not trying to say that we must just stand there and take abuse. He's definitely not trying to say he's not taking away our right for self-defense. He's not taking away our right for self-defense. The other thing that I had to think about is, was Jesus trying to take away our right for justice? And the answer is still no. Jesus was not trying to take away our right for justice. Listen, everything that Jesus is talking about here is not stuff that he didn't practice in his own, in his own life. How many know that Jesus was mocked, they spat at him, they, they did stuff to him, they even crucified him. But how did he respond to that? There's actually a story in the Bible, if you go to the book of Luke 10, if you go all throughout the Gospels, you find this story when the soldiers came to, to, were sent by the religious leaders to come and arrest Jesus. The soldiers actually came, and when they got to, to where Jesus was, Peter, I think it's Peter because I think Peter was gangster like that, um, one of the disciples actually pulls out a sword and cuts the ear of one of the soldiers. And in that moment, you would expect war. You would expect people to start fighting. You would expect something to happen. But something significant happens there. Jesus actually, oh, this is the Tyrone gangster version, I actually see him kneeling down, picking that ear, wiping off the dust, wiping off the, 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 the soil in the ear, and before he puts it back to heal the man, he actually looks back at the disciples and says, this is how we respond. This is how we're supposed to do things. And he puts it back and heals this man. Now, if I were this man, I would reconsider in that moment. If, I, if I'm sent to arrest someone and he responds that way, in that moment, I'm saying, I'm sorry, they sent me to arrest you, but I see how your responding is different to what I would have expected you to respond. And Jesus actually healed the man, and he gave himself to the man. These fools still arrested him. I don't know why, but they still arrested him. Jesus was actually trying to show us that what I am doing, everything I'm doing, was to show you that this is an attitude that we're supposed to adopt. So, all the way through the New Testament, Jesus actually, actually modeled how we're supposed to live as Christians. If you go throughout the Bible in the New Testament, everything that Jesus did was not for us, was not, he was just not living his life. Everything he did was for us to model how we're supposed to live our lives. I know, I know people always talk about what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Like, listen, everything he modeled for us, I believe that Jesus lived his life for us, right? Which was great to show us what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to respond in situations, which was great. But I believe now the advantage that we have is that Jesus is living his life through us. He's living his life through us to actually 
show us and help us to be able to do what we're supposed to do. So this is great. There's a statement that um, uh, I stole from Jason's notes, which says, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus would do. This is significant. What would Jesus do? I know people always talk about, what would Jesus do? It's like one of those statements that Christians throw around lately. But what would Jesus actually do? How would he respond in situations? How would Jesus respond in situations? The question is, what is a Christian's response to those that hate them? And a Christian's response to those that hate them is love. A Christian's response to those that hate them is love. Now, that is difficult. That is difficult, but I understand that it's difficult. One of my favorite movies is, is, is Taken. I think it's, it's called Liam Nielsen or something like that. He says, I will find you. In those moments, we feel like responding like that. But Jesus actually introduces something which is great in the Scriptures. If you go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 43, it says, you have heard that it was said, again, it was said, it was said, <laughs> you have heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, I say to you, you shall love your enemy. You shall love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you. This is difficult. I, I believe that what Jesus was doing here was giving us a blueprint for people that don't like us, a blueprint for our enemies. I'll say this in a colloquial language. What Jesus was basically doing here was giving us a cheat code for dealing with our haters. Hating did not start in 2021. Hating was there in Jesus' time. Jesus, I believe that in his time, he was probably the most hated person that lived in his era. Let me prove it to you. In his time, haters looked different. They wore long robes and they, 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 they were the leaders in the church. So before churches were actually demon-possessed, they were actually deacon-possessed. In those days, in those days, <laughs> in those days, the leaders of the church were the actual haters. They were the people that were hating on Jesus. It's funny that we think that Jesus was crucified by non-believers. It was the leaders of the church that that sent the people to arrest Jesus for him to be crucified. Haters in those days, he had haters, part of a group called the Pharisees. I love these people so much because they were the type of people that would see Jesus walking on water and accuse him of not being able to swim. They were the type of people that would see Jesus turning water into wine and accuse him of being a drunkard when he was actually just trying to solve a problem. They were the type of people that would see Jesus riding into a town, riding a colt into a town to address his lordship and to announce his lordship to the people and still would file an um, animal rights violation report because he was riding on a colt. Pharisees were that, that type of people. If you see people that have a problem with a man who changes water into wine, something is seriously wrong with them. You didn't get that. If you see... <laughs> I'm not endorsing anything, okay? 
I am not endorsing anything. But anyway, Pharisees had a huge problem with Jesus. But Jesus then introduces something. He says, our response to people that like us, don't like us, hate us, is love. We are supposed to respond with love to people. A Christian's response to people that hurt them is not retaliation. It is actually forgiveness. And again, Jesus modeled this on the cross of Calvary when he was about to pay the price for people, the people that were crucifying him, the people that were about to, that, 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 that were hitting the nails and doing all those, those things to him. He was being crucified for them, for their sins, but he forgave them before they even said, I'm sorry. Now, this is difficult, but Jesus actually modeled this for us, that we are supposed to forgive those that hurt us. We are supposed to forgive, and the, the response is difficult. It's even more difficult for me, a person who practices martial arts. As I said, I'm built to fight, not for speed and comfort. It's even more difficult for me as a person who enjoys fighting. It is more difficult for Christians to respond like that. So now, Jesus says, we are supposed to forgive. On the cross of Calvary, he forgave people. I call this forgiveness in advance. He forgave them before they said, I'm sorry. He probably never, never got a, I'm sorry, from the people. But he just extended forgiveness. Which is great. Which is great. There's they, they, something that happens uh, when, when Jesus walks into a Samaritan town with the disciples. And, and, and the people there did not like Jesus. And, and, the, and the, the, then the people, were, the disciples were so furious. They say to Jesus, or oh, this is against the version. They, they say to Jesus that, Jesus, these people don't like you and what they're doing, we don't like it. Why don't you call fire from heaven and burn these people? Just burn them, Jesus. Burn them. And... And, 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 Jesus, instead of just saying, yeah, 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 bro, yeah, bro, you're right. Yeah, bro, you're right, bro. You are right, bro. Jesus actually does not do that. He turns to the disciples and says, Hey, your brass, you, <laughs> I rebuke you. And he rebuked the disciples instead of responding the way that they wanted to, him to respond. And this is how we are supposed to respond as Christians. We are supposed to respond with forgiveness. I believe that retaliation is not a sign of strength. I believe that extending forgiveness is a sign of strength. I believe that, the, the, I believe that, that, that forgiveness is actually the only medicine for pain that does not have side effects. Let me say that again. I believe that Forgiveness is the only medicine for pain that does not have side effects. Everything else has side effects. Revenge, side effects. Hate, side effects. Anger, side effects. Forgiveness is the only thing, only medicine for pain that does not have side effects. Am I saying that it's going to heal you now? No. It's a process. It will take time. But it's a way better option for pain. But Tyrone, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they say to me. You don't know how they hurt me. Whoa. But God don't knows how they hurt you. He does. I don't know. He does. 
I'm sure what they're doing to you is not worse than what they did to Jesus. But he still extended forgiveness. He still extended forgiveness. He says something in a tweetable moment on the cross. Jesus actually says, hashtag, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Bam! That's something significant. Some people are putting nails in your body, beating you, spitting on you, and you say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. I, 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 I believe that we can be able to extend forgiveness. I know it's a process. And forgiveness basically means let it go. It means let it go. I'm going to explain now where we are letting it go to. But I believe also that forgiveness does not override justice. Forgiveness does not override justice, and justice does not override forgiveness. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that if a person steals from the church, we are going to forgive that person, but we're still going to call the police. <laughs> if we call the police and justice, 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 and justice takes its course, we're still going to forgive the person. So forgiveness does not override the need for justice, and justice does not override the need for forgiveness. This is not what Jesus was talking about in the first scripture that I read. He was not trying to say that we must just let people go. We must just not um, 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 leave, the, uh, leave our right for justice. No. We must still exercise justice where it's needed. And Jesus actually, I, I know I talk about Jesus a lot because I believe that he was by far the greatest man to ever live on earth. And the things that he did, I wish I could live like that. I wish I could respond like that in situations like that. Me preaching about this, this sermon, I'm not trying to say that I, I've got it all figured out. As I say, there are moments where I've decided to choose violence and responded in a way that I was supposed to not supposed to respond. But there's something significant that happens when we actually respond in the way that God would want us to respond. There's something significant that, would, that actually happens when we respond in the way that God would actually want us to respond. There's a scripture that I want to read from the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 19. I'm reading from the, from the ESV. It says, Be, Beloved, never avenge yourself. Never avenge yourself. It says, the next part, it says, but leave it. There we go. But let it go. Let it go. Let it go. But let it go. Where are you letting it go to? Let it go to the wrath of God. For it is written that vengeance, revenge, is mine. Revenge is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. Meaning to say that it is not my job to avenge. I know I love the Avengers. It's, it's not my job to avenge in situations. It is actually when I let it go and let it go and leave it to the wrath of God, God responds like, you do something to me, instead of me saying, brah, me and you, 
we're going to finish it outside. I will actually leave it to the wrath of God for God to finish it outside for me. I'll actually leave it to the authorities to finish it outside for me. And there's a great joy that comes when we actually do that. So, where are we leaving it to? A Christian's response to those that persecute them is prayer. So you mean to say I'm supposed to pray for people that hurt me too? People that persecute me too? This is difficult. This is difficult. You know, the, the, the reason why we're actually able to forgive is because we're actually not the ones who are holding the offense. Because we have let it go to God. We have surrendered it to God. So we are actually free. There's a statement that people know that says, hurt people. And when we hold on to offenses, when we hold on to, to people hurting us and doing stuff to us, we end up going and offloading that to the wrong people. We end up going and offloading that to, to our wives at home, to, to our friends, our family, because we're carrying offenses and hurt that, that is supposed, we're supposed to offload to God, and we end up offloading it to the wrong people. I actually, I, I actually want to read a scripture from, from the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 60. It says, backstory, gangster version again, backstory to, to, to this scripture, there's a man called Stephen, and what Stephen was basically doing in that moment is a man, he was getting, oh, it was a very difficult moment. He was getting stoned um, for following Jesus. So people were stoning him, throwing stones at him, throwing stones at him in that moment. People were throwing a lot of stones at him. And, 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 and Stephen, experiencing a lot of pain, said these words I'm about to read, read now. The Bible actually says that falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. Now, I can't, I can't cry out with a loud voice now, but I would like to imitate what he actually did in that moment. I think that in that moment as he was kneeling down, I can't kneel down for some weird reason. As he was kneeling down, he actually says, Lord, do not hold this scene against you. Oh, not against you, against them. Oh, Lord, do not hold this sin against them in that moment. Listen, this person is being stoned. This person, that's the equivalent of being shot at in our days. People are busy shooting at him. And instead of saying, I'm going to call fire from heaven and burn these peoples, he doesn't do that. He actually says, Lord, do not hold it against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Listen, if you go back maybe two scriptures before that, uh, two, two, two scriptures before that, you see that we see this image. Uh, it, uh, the, uh, the Bible actually says Stephen saw Jesus standing up in that moment. Listen, all throughout the Bible, we are told of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? You guys know your Bible, right? Do you? Okay, perfect. We are told of this story where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And in this moment, Jesus was actually standing as to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have responded 
the way that you're supposed to respond. You have done it the way that I would expect you to do it. I believe with all my heart that we are called to love, we are called to forgive, and we are called to pray for those that hurt us, those that don't like us, those that don't... Listen, haters are everywhere, but I believe we are called to love and to forgive them. I believe that this is the way we fight our battles is by loving our enemies, by forgiving those who hurt us, and praying for those who persecute us. I'll say that again. I believe that the way we fight our battles is by loving our enemies, is by forgiving those who hurt us, and praying for those who persecute us. What are you trying to say, Tyrone? I'm trying to say that we love those who hate us. We forgive those who hurt us. We pray for those who persecute us. I'm going to say this again in, a, in, in my own um, and my own wisdom, and my own knowledge, I will actually say it this way, that we extend, we respond in love, and we extend forgiveness, and we win in prayer. That's how we win. This is how we fight our battles as the worship team is going to join me up on stage to make me sound a bit more spiritual. Okay, this is how we actually win our battles. This is how we actually do what we're supposed to do. It is very difficult to respond. As I say, that you don't know what they did to me. You don't know. I don't know what they did to you. I don't know what you're holding in your heart. But I believe that how we win, we win by actually responding with love, by showing grace and mercy. We actually win by extending forgiveness Extending forgiveness by letting it go and winning in prayer. That is how we win. That is how we fight our battles. I believe that it, I, I may not understand what you're going through. I may not understand what they did to you. But what I do understand is that God loves you. God demonstrated this for us on the cross of Calvary. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus actually demonstrated and modeled how we're supposed to live our lives. Listen, there's something significant that happened in, in the Bible. 3,000 years ago, a man called Abraham goes on a mountain to try to offer a sacrifice. God had asked him to sacrifice his son. And as, you are about, as, he, as he was about to sacrifice his son, God tells him to stop. He says, stop, I'm going to provide a sacrifice. And 2,000 years ago, God actually provides the son that he, pro that he promised. He provides the son, the sacrifice that he promised on the cross. And until we accept the son that God promised, we will keep on sacrificing our own sons in the battlefield of the world. We will keep on sacrificing our own sons in the form of our happiness, our relationships, our, 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 our lives in the battlefield of the world. When we don't respond the way that the son that God promised, we will keep on sacrificing our own sons instead of accepting and following how this son that God said he will provide said we should respond. So what would Jesus do? I'll ask you again. How would Jesus fight his battles? How would Jesus fight his battles? Jesus would not certainly fight his battle the way the world would fight. Jesus would not fight his battles the way 
I would fight them. But as I say that he has lived his life for me, now he's living his life through me. So because he's living through me, I can be able to win my battles. I can be able to do what I'm supposed to do. And I'll say this again. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we win in the battlefield of the earth, of the world. We win by accepting the son that Jesus actually provided for us. I'm going to pray for us. God, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for this moment in time, God. As we have heard your word, I just pray, God, that may you help us to become more like you. May you help us to do things the way you would do things. May you help us to respond the way that you would respond. May you help us, God, to actually live a life that is pleasing to you. May you help us to live a life and respond in situations that, no, some Christians, some people in the world actually provoke us, Lord God, but I pray that you give us the strength and courage to be able to respond in the way that is pleasing to you. God, I know that you have modeled each and everything for us, how we're supposed to live in the Bible. God, I, th I pray that you be a constant reminder in our lives on how we should live our life, God. I pray that you be a constant reminder in our lives, God, that we should do this, we should do that. What would Jesus do? I just pray, God, that you help us, that you help us to see things the way that you see, to see people the way that you see people, and you help us to live life the way that you would live it, God. And I just want to pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.